Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntris here. We're closing out March with a really fun episode. My friend Alex Segura is joining us. And uh, Alex, as you know, works for Archie Comics, uh, used to work for DC, is a great publicity man, also has been editing the Dark Circle line at Archie Comics. And that makes a lot of sense because... Uh, Alex also has uh, his own job as a novelist, a detective novelist. He's a huge fan of the genre of uh, detective fiction and has added his own creation to the mix. Pete Fernandez, I empath- or I guess I relate to Pete because uh, this is a former uh, sports reporter for a newspaper in Miami. As uh, novels have progressed, he is a uh, de facto private detective. Pete has three novels. Down the Darkest Street is the latest, but you can start with Silent City, uh, his uh, first novel. You can uh, go back to Bad Beat, which is a Pete Fernandez prequel through Amazon and uh, your various booksellers. And uh, I- I'm really happy for Alex because uh, he has been impre- embraced by the detective fiction community. He goes out and uh, goes to crime conventions as much as he does comic book conventions. And it's interesting to hear about uh, not only uh, the building of Pete Fernandez, his uh, Miami haunts, but also uh, I'm really interested in where fandom is as far as detective fiction goes. I know, as I said, they have their own convention circuit. We talk a little bit about that, Uh, reading clubs, podcasts, lots of things. And I would say if uh, you're like me and a fan of detective fiction, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with Alex Segura on today's Word Balloon. Brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your support. Man, I even got like another seven or eight League of Listener uh, followers, and I want to thank you very much for that because uh, you're you're helping keep the lights on, literally, as I am between uh, regular jobs and uh, trying to make ends meet. Uh, I, I really could use your help now more than ever if you've had any interest in the past in subscribing to Word Balloon. Um, you know, it's uh, wordballoon.com. If you click on the Patreon ad there, it will take you to my Patreon page. And uh, if you can spare, I'm asking, you know, is, is Word Balloon worth the price of one comic book a month? I hope so. I, I think I provide a lot of entertainment. I, I know that entertainment lasts a lot longer than the average comic book read. And I think you get insight into uh, the pop culture world when you listen to Word Balloon. Not just the comic uh, interviews, but also interviews like today's with Alex. So if you've ever had any interest, go to wordballoon.com, click on that Patreon ad, or go to patreon.com slash wordballoon directly, and that's where you can subscribe. Thanks a lot, really. Uh, It it means a lot to Word Balloon listeners. I I uh, truly do appreciate it. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at instocktrades.com. And pretty interesting, I I wanted to see what would happen if I put crime in the search box at in-stock trades. Of course, the Crime Does Not Pay archives came up. These are fantastic books from the golden age of comics. These are usually pre-comics code crime stories. Along with EC, it was uh, Lev Gleason's uh, publishing house that put out some of these excellent books. And uh, Dick Wood, Lev Gleason were the writers... And excellent artists like Charles Byro and uh, Dick uh, Briefer, who uh, or Briefer, I never know how to say it. Dick Briefer was the uh, Frankenstein Golden Age artist, and uh, Charles Byro did the Golden Age Daredevil. Um, crime Buster was another one of uh, of their characters, but um, these were true crime comics, really done by uh, master writers and master artists. Really, really neat stuff. Stuff and that uh, unfortunately got. Uh, you know, kind of shit-canned when uh, the Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency targeted specifically Crime Does Not Pay, along with the ECC horror, the EC horror stuff, as uh, too, you know, uh, graphic and, and uh, violent for uh, children. But uh, you can get them here. Uh, it's published through Dark Horse, and uh, great sales. Mostly uh, all these volumes are 42% off, $28.99. There's a uh, Pistol Whip Crime Does Not Pay Primer collection, but it is also 42% off, $11.59. You can also get Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Interesting, that popped up in uh, Crime, probably because Volume 2 is titled Crime Century. Nick Spencer, Steve Lieber, uh, they are together now on the image book The Fix, but you can see where the collaboration started with Amazing, or pardon me, Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Trade Paperback Volume 2 is 42% off, $9.85. Scene of the Crime, the deluxe hardcover edition from Ed Brubaker, Michael Lark, and Sean Phillips. Uh, These are uh, tremendous stories about a a crime scene photographer 
And uh, that collection is 45% off. It's $13.24. Um, have you, uh, I'm sure you've noticed that Rosario Dawson keeps popping up on all the Marvel uh, Netflix TV shows. And I saw her just recently as I'm going through Iron Fist. Um, her series that was made by the 12-Gauge Shotgun uh, Studio, an excellent uh, crime uh, studio featuring the art of Tony Chasteen, David Atchison, and Rosario Dawson all together on Occult Crimes Task Force, Volume 1. It's uh, 45% off, just $8.24. Pretty neat story from Rosario Dawson. You can also get Mean Street's Crime Anthology. Uh, this uh, came from IDW and collected uh, four crime stories. Easy Way by Christopher Long and Andy Kuhn, The Devil's Concubine by Pale Schmidt, Fishtown by Kevin Colden, and Baja by Ben Wagner and Nathan St. John. Really neat, uh, very cool hard case uh, crime anthology uh, in comic form. 40% off, $17.99. Just some of the great crime books. I just randomly put in crime at In Stock Trades and found a bunch of stuff that I, if I didn't already own it, I'd probably be buying it. You can too. Great deals and great prices. InStockTrades.com. All right, without further ado, let's uh, talk to Alex Segura about his detective character, Pete Fernandez, his Miami haunts, uh, likes and dislikes. Uh, you always get to know the uh, the detective along with solving the crime. And uh, I think Alex does a really good job of uh, showing Miami in a way that other Miami uh, crime writers haven't. And, uh, in fact, we have on the website at Wordballoon.com a walking tour of Pete Fernandez's Miami and also uh, two playlists of uh, music to... Uh, think about when you uh, think about Pete Fernandez. So, Down the Darkest Street, the new book, it is out on uh, April 11th, but uh, we're here to talk about, really, Pete Fernandez in general with Alex Segura, now on Word Balloon. Normally, uh, I talk to this guy about uh, one of his jobs at Archie Comics, but uh, today, it's author Alex Segura, who uh, puts his hat on, to talk about uh, the third novel in his Pete Fernandez uh, detective series. Alex, welcome back to Word Balloon. Hey, John, thanks for having me. This is uh, very cool. Uh, I'm a fan of the podcast, so it's nice to be on as the guest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate it, man. That's true. Uh, mostly, and uh, forgive me, this is your first time on Word Balloon. The, uh, the, in, the, in the past, it's always been in the uh, booking and, and interview capacity with somebody from DC or Archie Comics. But yes, you're in the guest scene now. Yeah, no, I was a guest, uh, I think, a couple years back when we launched Dark Circle, but this is my first time as an uh, author. Forgive me, I forgot about that as well. But yeah, you ran, uh, you know, and seriously, you should come back because there have been obviously dark, so you know, dark circles gone through a few arcs, and it's very yeah. No, we've got stuff. some more stuff coming up too. So excellent. But yes, today it's all about uh, detective novels and, and your character that started in Silent City, Pete Fernandez. Right. So yeah, this is the third book, Dangerous Area. Dangerous Ends. It's the third book, and uh, the series is set in Miami, Silent City is the first novel, and it was uh, reissued last year to coincide with the second book, Down the Darkest Street. Yep. And uh, it's, it's, the protagonist is a guy named Pete Fernandez, who's, uh, when you meet him in Silent City, he's got a dead-end job in the newspaper industry. He's just come back home to Miami from New Jersey, dealing with the death of his father, and his fiance has just left him. So he's having kind of a pretty terrible string of luck, and he's also drinking pretty heavily. And what happens then is a, a coworker comes up to him and says, hey, I need your help. You, you know, you used to be this great investigative journalist. I'd like you to help find my daughter. And, you know, in that process, we kind of see him go from, you know, this burnt out guy to an actual almost proto private investigator. Um, and we see kind of his origin story. It's basically Pete Fernandez year one if we're going to use comic terms. And sure. <laughs> uh, Down the Darkest Street is a much, you know, no pun intended, a much darker sequel. It, it really uh, drags him down into the darkest parts of his own life. You know, he's dealing with his own ba battles with alcoholism and trying to figure out a string of murders that are very similar to a serial killer who was plaguing Miami and Florida decades before. The only problem is that guy's dead. He was electrocuted. And so Pete and uh, and his partner um, have to kind of suss out what went wrong there. Um, Dangerous Ends is the third one. And, you know, it's kind of interesting to give little snippets on each book because you, you don't want to spoil too much of what's going to happen in the series for people that are starting with the first one. But Dangerous Ends is a bit, a bit, a, a bit more ambitious, I think. Um, 
we jump back and forth in time. We go back to kind of Castro's early days in Cuba to meet Pete's grandfather. You jump forward uh, to the present where Pete has been roped into investigating this uh, this crime involving an ex-Miami PD officer who brutally murdered his wife. Uh, and so the officer's daughter has hired Pete in the hopes that he finds one shred of evidence and gets his, her dad exonerated. And as, as, you know, as Pete and, and his partners start to investigate, they, they get tangled up in this pretty deadly street gang um, that have ties to pro-Castro groups and are somehow very set against Pete solving this crime. Excellent. I really enjoyed Silent City and I uh, haven't had a chance to get to Down the Darkest Street or uh, Dangerous Ends, but uh, I have to say that I'm, uh, you know, like I said, I enjoyed the first and you were kind enough to uh, give me Dangerous Ends to, uh, to check out. And, uh, yeah, let me know. Oh, of course I will. But no, it was a great start. And um, uh, nice to see, I guess, you know, your peers in the in the crime world are, are being incredibly kind. And uh, that's fantastic. as well-deserved. I, I really enjoyed Silent City. And um, also you had that book that you co-wrote with um, another another crime writer, and you had a crossover with his detective character. Yeah, that's true. It's, bad it's blood? Kind of, I would, yeah, Bad Beat. It's... Um... It's a prequel in many ways. It's a prequel to Silent City. It's set in New Jersey uh, where Pete is still a sports reporter. And you kind of see him right before he really hits his bottom, right before his dad dies. And he crosses over with his character, Ash McKenna, who is, uh, who is written by Rob Hart. And he's in a bunch of great books like New York and City of Rose and uh, South Village. And we're, we're both published by the same company, Polis Books. And so we were having dinner now it's a year and change ago, maybe two years ago, no, a year ago. And we're talking about comics and how much we love crossovers and, you know, crossovers we read as a kid. And I said, well, you know, it'd be neat if we could do it with our own characters. Why don't you, know, you don't see that in mystery fiction that often. And sure. so we're pretty simpatico in the way we work. So we literally just kind of mapped out the story, talked about the things we wanted to write about. It's about this, uh, this football player, Raleigh, Raleigh the Gun, who's a college football player who goes missing. And Pete is brought in. Pete, as a sports reporter, is kind of trying to suss out where he is. And Ash McKenna is an old friend of the guys, so he's trying to find out where his friend is. And so the two detectives, or soon-to-be detectives, bump into each other. And uh, in classic Marvel fashion, they come to blows first and then help each other out. So it was fun. It's really it's a pretty lengthy short story. I could almost say it's a novella. And... Uh, I find those things to be really cool to just collaborate with somebody else and really get a sense of the other person's style and work ethic. No, and it expands the universe a little bit, and it introduces each uh, uh, author's group of readers to the other person, which I think is smart. And uh, these yeah, books are... and what's, Go ahead. What's funny is uh, just as we were writing Bad Beat, I was going over the proofs for the Silent City reprint. And in Silent City, if you were, I don't know if you remember this, there's a scene where he interacts with a bartender named Ash, Mm-hmm. in the keys and so i just threw in a line i, I mean i guess uh, i wasn't going all full george lucas on it but i threw in a line um mentioning bad beat so kind of to tie it all in and rob had uh ash mckenna mention pete in one of his upcoming books so it's kind of tying in and also i guess canon canon <laughs> that's fantastic i there's a it was i i don't believe hammett had anything to do with it Oh, um, but there was a sequel to the Maltese Falcon uh, on the old radio anthology series Suspense. And mm-hmm. at that point, the actor Howard Duff was playing Sam Spade in the old radio series. Uh, the, you know, the, it's a really great series if, if, you're not, if you're not aware of it. And I would say that. Oh, no, well. I, haven't, I haven't heard it. I'll check it out. It's, it's excellent. And in this uh, one episode of Suspense, it literally is a sequel to the Falcon, and it's called The Candy Tooth. And it's another huh. it's another rare object that Caster, Casper Gutman is looking for, and in his you know in the usual kind of typical detective way, while going down suspects and trying to find information, uh, he gets a call from Philip Marlowe, and it's um, Robert Montgomery who played Philip Marlowe in uh, Lady in the Lake, and uh, oh, and, and, and they wow, have this really phone cool. conversation between Sam Spade and Philip Marlowe, and it's like. Yeah, I've, I've run into that guy before, and he kind of gives the you know a little character des- uh, description to to Spade, and it's yeah, it's just kind of this fun little passing moment. And at the time, Duff was not only doing the suspense episode, but doing the regular uh, Spade radio series, 
and mm-hmm. Montgomery, as I said, had played Marlowe on, uh, right. on the film and was the narrator of Suspense at that time, so it was kind of an easy crossover. And just a cute nod it's to also, both, both series like that. Yeah, yeah, that's really great. And it's also neat, I mean, from my perspective, to you know jam with a writer whose work I like. And yeah. it's something I'd like to do soon, and hopefully we'll be able to talk about more stuff like that. But it's, it's interesting, and, you know, as... I've got maybe now three books under my belt, but at the time it was two. And so you're kind of picking things up from someone, one of your contemporaries and kind of seeing how they operate and hopefully vice versa. And uh, it was cool. It was one of those fun little one-offs and it's always neat to see uh, people mention it because it does count in my eyes. And I think in Rob's eyes as well. Sure. And it's nice to see that the crime writing community is very fraternal that way, because I know, um, and I meant to actually have it up while we're talking, but I took it down. Some of the pull quotes that you got from, is it Ace Atkins that took over the Spencer uh, crime novels? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he, he gave, did. You know, I saw he gave you a hell of a, a nice uh, pull quote, and I and I, uh, I certainly admire his work since uh, picking up the Robert Parker series as he has. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's done a great job with those. And it's, you know, it's such a daunting task to step in for Parker, you know. Yes. Uh, and, and really just take on such an iconic series, especially one that has just so much ground to cover. It's not like he wrote three books and you can kind of make stuff up from there. Um, and Ace is also a very prolific author of his own stuff and equally acclaimed and, and great. And I've been really lucky with those. You know, um, it's always stressful to ask someone to read your book early and then, you know, what What if they don't like it? What if they aren't responsive? But I've been, you know, I've had a lot of luck in that department. And I think uh, some of my own favorite writers have gotten a chance to read my work, which is, it sounds crazy. It's just uh, surreal to me as uh, someone who read their, their books trying to figure out how to do it myself, you know. Definitely. One of the uh, go-to sites for me for uh, finding information about crime fiction is uh, thrillingdetective.com. And uh, it's nice right. to see that Pete Fernandez has a... Uh, has a nice little uh, section there, and uh, I think very positive reviews. Links to the first two books. I'm looking for the name. It's Kevin Burton Smith, is uh, the guy yeah, that wrote I was, the essay. Uh, I was really blown away to discover that, and it's uh, that almost kind of validates the whole thing. You're not you're not doing it in a vacuum. And uh, I remember going to that site to just find new detective series to read Absolutely. when I was really first starting to get into this stuff you know once you get past the initial like get through the Hammett and the Marlowe you know the Chandler and Ross McDonald you start digging around for more stuff and that website was really helpful that's excellent man you know I I picked up on uh, detective crime when I was a kid in the very late 70s and early 80s and uh Ellery Queen was still being published the magazine and I and I would were you uh into the McBain books like Ed McBain oh sure ask you that absolutely man yeah 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 and certainly have come to love, you know, the guys like Pelicanos. I mentioned, you know, we mentioned Parker before and the and the Spencer novels and stuff. In building, I want, I want to talk to you about some old-time uh, detective stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. tell me about building Pete Fernandez and and how you set out to, to create this character and, you know, how things maybe came to you just in passing or did you have a, a motive in mind of what kind of detective you wanted to build? You know, it, it didn't have, it wasn't like a bolt of lightning. I, I I think growing up, I always wanted to write and I would always dabble and do things, you know, write poetry, short stories, or, you know, in college, I thought literary fiction was going to be it for me. But for whatever reason, you know, I I was still writing. I was working in journalism as a reporter and an editor. And then, uh, then I got into PR. Um, And I think, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, but when I, when I got to New York to work at DC, you know, comics became, evolved from my hobby to becoming my job. And so to kind of rest my brain from comics, I started picking up detective novels again. And I started reading, you know, more modern PI novelists like uh, George Pelicanos, who you mentioned, and uh, Dennis Lehane, who everyone, everyone knows from Mystic River. But before that, he wrote a really acclaimed series of PI novels uh, starring this guy, Pat Kenzie, and his uh, sometimes girlfriend, Angie Gennaro. And Laura Lipman, who wrote the rights to Tess Monahan books. And so to me, these were like, you know, leagues beyond the initial, you know, Chandler and Hammett stuff. Understandably, I mean, decades had passed, sure. but they really resonated with me because these characters weren't just, you know, your typical fedora wearing detective, you know, sitting in their office as the femme fatale walks in. You know, they're, <laughs> so there's kind of screw ups. They're maybe not doing it as well as they should be. They're not 
making the best decisions all the time. And, and each book was really strong in terms of place. You know, Pelicanos writes so well about D.C. and Lahane in Dorchester and Boston. And, and Tess, the Tess Monahan books are about Baltimore and all its quirks and weird mm-hmm. characters. So I got to thinking about doing that myself for, you know, my own hometown. And I think part of it was being homesick, too. Uh, I think the first year in New York for anyone is a challenge. You know, you have to kind of adapt to everything, the subway, getting around, kind of the masses of people. So, and, and I was trying to reconnect with Miami in a way, and that that's kind of where Pete was born, mm-hmm. kind of a synthesis of those books, wanting to reconnect with Miami and also wanting to represent, you know, kind of the Cuban-American idea, you know, that, you know, I didn't see a lot of Hispanic protagonist and it's not like pete wears it on his sleeve but it is who he is it's part of his literal dna so that's cool no that's kind of his uh how he came together his origin absolutely man no that's that's cool that's fantastic i um i also um much like the comics community i know that you know there are crime novel conventions and uh, and now, and uh, we've talked about this in the past. It's it's a shame. Here, I should throw this out there. We recorded an interview, got screwed <laughs> up. Not that anyone cares, but I know the that origin of our interview. <laughs> this is true for the Pete Fernandez interview, yeah. at least, absolutely. Yeah. And and yeah, yeah, the recording totally got mucked up last month. So that's why we're redoing this. And uh, so every now and then, I might refer to you know we talked about this before, and this is what I'm talking about. So the listeners know. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this one's going better already. <laughs> It's true. What uh, what's the name of what's the name of the big uh, convention that's kind of like Bouchercon. What say it again? Bouchercon. Uh, Bouchercon. Yes, Bouchercon. Right. And it moves mm-hmm. from city to city. It's not set like in San Diego, correct? Yeah, that's kind of that's what's neat about it. I mean, I mean there's a lot of cool stuff about it, but it, that struck me as a comic book guy where you know like okay, WonderCon is here, Comic-Con is here, New York Comic-Con's obviously in New York, but Bouchercon hops around. Um this year or last year it was in New Orleans. Next this year it's going to be in Toronto, and the following year it's going to be St. Petersburg, Florida. So it's you know it's really different seasons or years attract different authors. Um, and in comparison to a Comic Con, it's a little bit more low key. Though the crime writing community can get crazy in its own way. It's just more. It's a little bit smaller in scale. You're you're usually in one hotel and you kind of go to different panels and different ballrooms and there's a book room where you go and shop for books and then coincidentally a lot of authors seem to congregate at the hotel bar and then you know you end up going to dinner with some friends. You know, I I I take yeah, I've got maybe like 15 years of Comic-Cons under my belt, so yeah. at this point I take it pretty easy in terms of pacing myself and not staying out till 3 in the morning, but um you know, it's it's a different vibe, and it's a little bit a little bit more relaxed. There's no not the insanity. I guess probably because I'm not doing two jobs at once. When I'm at a, a voucher con, I can actually walk around and kick back a little bit. Yeah, just be an author, absolutely, man. And exactly, um, yeah. So now three three books in, um, and again, as you say, the the books are Miami centric. Uh, once he, once Pete gets settled and everything. Good response from right. the uh, the Florida uh, community. Are, are the Miami papers aware of uh, the series, and do they appreciate the the attention to the locales? Yeah, you know, uh, probably one of the greatest moments for me as a writer was I was on vacation in the Keys, and I got the alert that the first book got reviewed in the Miami Herald, which was Fantastic. my hometown paper growing up. Yeah, and uh, I actually worked there for many a number of years. And I remember driving to this abandoned Publix and just grabbing a whole stack and just, you know, looking at it and being like, okay, this is happening. This is great. That's it, nice. And it was a good review, positive review. Um, I think, yeah, they've reviewed the first two books, and I, I hope they review the next one, and they seem to like them. And I've done events in Miami at Books and Books, which was, you know, is a great bookstore, continues to be an awesome bookstore in Coral Gables and around Florida. And... uh I did an event last year at Murder on the Beach, which is in Delray, and it's another. It's just a mystery bookstore, so that was really neat. And so, I, you know, I try to hop down there and do a little mini South Florida book tour every year if I can. Sure. That's cool. What other? Yeah, you know, stir up, stir up the base. No, well, yeah, absolutely. And I'm and I'm wondering what other uh, Florida-based um, detectives are there. Carl Heisen's stuff isn't that from? Isn't that Florida-based or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's, his stuff is set in Florida. James Hall has uh, written a bunch of great mystery novels. Um, 
you know, there's a bunch. There's a lot of them, that Les Stanford, John Dufresne. I actually, uh, Miami Book Fair is a huge event every year yes. in November in Miami, and it's a literary kind of, you get every author there, basically. And I've gotten to go the last couple of years as an author, which is neat. And um, last year we did something called Noir at the Bar. And what that is, is you collect a bunch of writers. They, they bring a short piece of work. It could be from their novel. It can be a short story. You know, usually uh, eight to ten minutes is what we say. And you take turns reading, but we, there's, there's never been one in Miami. You know, there's, it's been all over the world. It's been in New York. It's been in, you know, England. It's been in Canada. It's been in L.A. And so part of what I did going down there for book fair was coordinate this noir at the bar. And I got to interact with a lot of, a lot of Miami crime writers, which was huge. A lot of up-and-comers and a lot of, like, established names. Um, like Vicki Hendricks, who wrote this book called Miami Purity, which is, one of the best and most overlooked noir novels. So if, if you have a second and if you like Silent City and you want to read something that's, you know, a million times better, you should read Miami Purity. It's just one of those, one of my favorite books, hands down, just amazing. So she came out to the event. So I got to introduce her to the, re- to the audience, which was pretty cool. That's amazing. And I do know a lot yeah. about the Miami book fair because much as I'm a comic nerd, I'm a, I'm a book nerd. So Book TV, C-SPAN's, uh, I think, number three channel or, or second, uh, C-SPAN 2 on the weekends becomes right. book, book TV. And they always have, uh, you know, cameras. It's, you know, really, again, if you're, if you're a panel nerd, as I am when it comes to comic conventions and any sort of live presentation where, you know, you've, you've got people talking about a topic in front of an audience – uh, if if the War Balloon listeners aren't aware, really check out Book TV. They have a great archive on the C-SPAN website. Uh, have you have you had a chance? Have you been on camera on any uh, uh, Miami Expo uh, panels yet, or just you know? Say, Noir yeah, at the I, bar? I've been I've been I did the Noir at the Bar. I've done other panels. I did one um, that same week with uh, two other authors, Joe Clifford, who writes the Jay Porter Detective series, which is great, and uh, Mike Creighton. Who, they, they both went to school down in Miami at FIU, where I ended up, where I went too. So it was kind of a mini reunion, though we didn't know each other at school. Sure. Um, and, and they're both very great, they're great writers. So it was neat to just kind of sit there and talk crime and read from our books. And uh, it was a good audience, very interactive. So that, that's the fun part of these literary events is just engaging with the readers and, and getting a reaction. People saying, hey, I read this book and this is what I thought or why did you do this? So it's it's not just some kind of fly-by-night thing. You're getting people that have spent time and money on your work, which is amazing. I'm assuming there's a website for uh, the Fernandez books. Am I correct? Yeah, alexsegura.com sure. or polisbooks.com. You can find pretty much everything. Cool. Okay. And I want, and here's another question is, uh, have you, because, you know, obviously so many Miami locales pop up in the books, have you uh, mm-hmm. set up any sort of walking tour for people that, you know, like where you, where you might have the destinations mapped out on the website in terms of if people want to follow Pete's footsteps, they, they can, they can do that. Yeah. It's funny. I did a, there's this website called the new tropic that, uh, was actually founded by a very dear friend of mine and, uh, and two other friends of hers. And, it's done amazingly well. It's kind of a culture and lifestyle website and newsletter. So you get a newsletter every morning and it just kind of tells you recaps the news for Miami and what's happening around the neighborhood. And, and it's, you know, like a neighborhood email and they did a walking tour like Pete Fernandez is Miami. That's great. Um, so it's like an interactive map and I wrote little blurbs about different places. And what's funny about the Pete series is that, while it tries very hard to be up to date, there are some places that no longer exist that, I decided to take artistic license and give a new life to, you know, there's bars or, there, you know, sure. I figure if I'm writing this, if I'm writing the thing, I might as well. It's your ideal. Places I want. Yeah. It's your, yeah. it's your Miami ideal. Absolutely, man. So like in the opening pages of down the darkest street, Pete kind of gets the tar beaten out of him at this place <laughs> called the Gables pub. And I used to hang out there probably more than I should have in college. And, uh, it closed like shortly a few years later. And uh, I just figured I'd bring it back. And there's a bunch of other places like that. So it's it's a fun little map. And uh, now that you mentioned, I actually should integrate it into my own website if if that's even an option. I hope so, man. No, that's great because I really think that you know one of the things that initially attracted me specifically to Parker was how he brought Boston and the Boston area alive. And uh, right. you know, and then of course uh, one of the other idiosyncrasies of the Spencer novels was. 
uh, Spencer was always cooking, you know, always making something for his girlfriend. And you literally were in the kitchen with Spencer. And I know in old interviews, hearing Parker, uh, you know, radio hosts would ask him and say, you know, God, when's the Spencer cookbook going to happen? He's like, I know, I know. And uh, in your case, given that you're such a music guy, I know that there's likely, uh, if you if you don't have them on the website, uh, playlists uh, for P. Fernandez because uh, there's always references to what might be playing in the background at whatever locale people yeah, are in at the moment. It, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, yeah, music is such a huge part of my life and also just as a listener and sometimes dabbler, but for Pete as well, he just he's always listening to music and that's kind of his obsession or, you know, hobby. Which And it, I always thought it was neat to see more layers to the detective as opposed to the, just the day job of, or night job of solving the crime. So like Spencer with the cooking and, and the music for Pete definitely. And I do, I do make playlists as I write. They don't necessarily translate, meaning not every song that's on the playlist appears in the book. Cause that would just be cumbersome, but a few do. <laughs> um, and there's this website called large hearted boy. That's a books book and comic and music podcast uh, website. And what they do is they they bring authors to talk about their playlists. And so I've done that for Silent City and, and Down the Darkest Street, and I'll do it for the next one. But, um, you know, I should, I should send you the links to listen to the soundtracks because it's really like music that evokes the mood of the story, and that's really fun. I don't really listen to music while writing, though. I can it's appreciate just, it, I find it super. Yeah, I find it so distracting, even sure. if it's like uh, without any vocals, because I just start to think about the song. I'm like, who played bass on this track? Or, you know, which album is this from? You start getting into the weeds, and then that distracts you from the, the actual writing. But when thinking about the book, I do listen to a lot of different music and kind of weave together. And it, it helps. It helps get the inspiration going. That's cool. Do you find yourself, you know, without naming any specific sources, uh, themes and lyrics of songs that can play out in a story? You know, there's just artists that I find that I go back to sure. a lot. And, uh, you know, like Lou Reed, The Velvet Underground, Elvis Costello. Yep. Um, I love David Byrne and The Talking Heads, uh, you know, Nico Case is great and Wilco and really I think about it in terms of like music that explores the gray areas that aren't just kind of sappy love songs but are also not just like dour and depressing um, I've been listening to a lot of old 97s a lot and cool. uh, uh, the December is things like that sure no, I'm, I'm fans with, I'd say, 90% of what you just laid out there. Oh, I, good, please good. do send send those links in. Yeah, send the uh, walking tour link as well because, yeah, I'd love to, I think that's a great idea for uh, this post on uh, wordbelieve.com for, sure. for the podcast and stuff and let people immerse themselves in, in the world of uh, Pete Fernandez. And you met, you know, you say you dabble in music. I do know that at times you've, mm-hmm. had, you've been in bands, you know, and uh, obviously that's a, that's a big part of your, or was a big part of your life. I don't know how much it is now if the, the band still I mean, now, right now it's, you know, yeah, it's just, it's a matter, you know, we talked earlier about hobbies becoming jobs and now, so I work in comics by day and I do write some comics and I also do these novels and kind of something had to give. And when I was in a band or one of our band members was moving to California, so it just became kind of the right time and we were having a kid. So it was just one of these things where something had to move off the plate, but it's something I like to do. I like to play guitar. I like to play with other people, you know, make music, and uh, it's something I'll, I'll eventually get to again, and um, it's also part of, it's just its own thing, it's, uh, I love doing it, and it's fun, and eventually I'll find a way to make some time, maybe just give up sleeping altogether. <laughs> Pretty cool, man. The, uh, I also wanted to ask you about uh, the crime novel podcasts uh, that you would recommend, and not only ones that obviously had yourself, but ones, do you, do you listen to any uh, crime uh, podcasts like that? I do, I do. I, uh, there's this podcast called Crime Writers On, and it was originally, well, I love the serial podcast. Was, the first season was really compelling Oh yeah, uh, a couple years ago. And Crime Writers On started as Crime Writers On Serial. And so they would kind of recap and react to the episode. But eventually it became its own kind of quirky, engaging thing. They really just, it's uh, these two writers, two crime writers, Rebecca LaVoy and Kevin Flynn, and two other local New Hampshire writers, and they just sit and chat about true crime and, you know, any any crime books that they're reading or crime TV shows that they're watching. Um, it's really engaging, and it's, it's almost more fun than the subject matter that they're talking about most most of the time. It's almost it's entertainment unto itself. And, uh, and they've plugged the pe- books a few times, too, which is nice. That's cool. That's excellent. What other, po- what other crime podcasts have you done or book podcasts? 
Uh, there's a podcast called Criminal. You know, my podcast listening has kind of taken a nosedive lately for, you know, I've just gotten really tapped into audiobooks, but Criminal uh, is a podcast that kind of takes weird and creepy crime stories. And basically, I, I don't want to say it's the NPR or, uh, you know, kind of that treatment, but they, they do, they just do good reporting. They interview the yes. people and kind of paint a picture, which is really nice. I'm blanking on the other ones, but there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of really, you know, it's funny because when serial serial hit, a bunch of serial wannabes cropped up, and yes, the the cream definitely rose to the top. There, there were a few where it was clearly like a journalist who had never done radio, but their bosses said we need a serial podcast, and it didn't didn't really resonate. But there, and you know, it's a for effort. You know, it's the content is good, but it's, sometimes it's so hard to be charming and thoughtful and know how to pace a radio program. It's not something you just do overnight. I, You're not just reading a script I, and you know this better than anyone. Well, and not only that, but um, while I worked for uh, uh, the, my, my last radio job was with Hubbard Broadcasting and their uh, Washington DC station was also a CBS affiliate. And one of their news guys did a true crime story that ended up being a two parter on uh, 48 hours as well. And, 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 you know, and they got a nice response and clearly was, it was inspired by serial and, and, uh, you know, he really pointed out, you know, it's, it's really tough to do this and then to do it well and, and pointed out the time that it took to not only get all yeah. the facts right, but really, again, like you say, make it into entertaining radio versus even, you know, an intensely written, you know, transcript of, or, you know, some sort of, uh, print account of of a, of a very interesting case. So yeah, it's it is a easy. lot of work. You have yeah. you have to you have to know the equipment, and it has to be well produced, and not feel like someone's recording it from like a phone booth. There's another podcast <laughs> called Sword and Scale that's true crime, you know, but also he kind of we he has some very very high production values. It's not just about interviews. It's like weaving sound bites, and it's not overdone though. And it's uh, the guy's based in Miami, which is funny. So we've chatted a few times, just being both being local, like crime people. But that's another good one that people should check out. There are, I know, uh, book clubs, and I know that some authors, you know, obviously. Oh wait, I, you know, I, I completely, I completely Go for it. on one more. Tell I've me. actually been a guest of this uh, this podcast. It's called Authors on the Air, and it's uh, Pam Stack is the host. You guys can probably get along. She's a great, very you know, engaged reader and very good interviewer. And uh, we spoke about Silent City and Down the Darkest Street. And she just talks to one author every week, and it's always it's doesn't she doesn't just do the top line stuff. She gets really into the book, and I'm amazed she can read everything every week. So she's great, and she's part of this whole network of different kind of prime podcasts. Very cool. And okay, now now they're all coming to me. There's this other one called Writer Types. Okay, it just launched, and it's it features different authors being interviewed, prime authors, and they just did something about music. And prose, and I was actually had a little segment on there. So, you know, there's a lot. I, I feel like there's an uptick, and it's not just because I remembered them all at once. No, that's great. And honestly, um, I, I'm interested now in because just like creator-owned comics, um, it's easier than ever, I think, to publish, self-publish, and you know, it's it seems like the author uh, market is getting crowded, and it's hard to kind of stand out. And I know that you obviously have to be a lot more proactive in terms of promotion. So beyond podcasts and going to book conferences, I know some book clubs will obviously, uh, you know, invite a host or rather invite an author to come on and, and, and meet with them. And I know some authors not only will do it locally, but also maybe do it like via Skype chat or something like that. And I was wondering how much you've played in that arena. I've done the book club thing where I'll go to a book club in person and, and hear, uh, hear them discuss the book. And I've done library visits. I think those are really fulfilling because you're dealing with an audience that's already, that's already invested their time and they've read the book. So you're, you're talking to people that have already kind of spent some time with your character, which is always fulfilling um, beyond just like being on a panel and hoping that someone will, will eventually read your book. Um, I haven't done this Skype thing as much. I've done it once or twice. It's always, Technology is always tricky with stuff like that, but um, it's another resource for authors to to engage with readers, which I think is the most important part. Just once you get them hooked, and hopefully they're they're into what you're doing, then I feel like you have a reader for life as long as you keep you know cranking out at quality material. Sure. And you're yeah. right. Promotions promotions are really hard. I think um, 
more and more you find that the author has to be on the front lines doing the plugging and and that's tough. I mean, as an author, I have the benefit of being a publicist by day. So, you know, I engage with people all the time. So it's not as strange for me to reach out to someone. Sure. But I think a lot of authors are really solitary people. They're, they're kind of cranking away. And then suddenly they have to be extroverts, which is a hard shift to do. Not only that, but also A, to be a marketer and B, a marketer of their own product. So, yeah, I can, you know, you're right. I mean, I think much like a, a comic book artist, sometimes the writer is tucked away in his studio and it's a very, you know, uh, singular kind of lifestyle and it's hard to suddenly then be an extrovert for some people and really go out and promote their products. So I can appreciate well, that. Well, and then also to know, yeah, and then to also know what to do. It's such a, yes. everyone throws around the term of publicity, marketing, but promotions and like these interchangeable things, they're all very, they're very different and it's, it's a career path unto itself. You know, you can, there are good publicists and there are not good publicists and it's, it's all about how you do it. Um, like writing. So to expect a writer to then be good at these other things that they might not ever do is a lot. It's a lot to ask. Definitely. So what, uh, as far as old timers, cause you know me, I, I, you know, we said a little bit of it at the beginning when we mentioned the Philip Marlowe right. and, uh, Sam Spade. So the Chandlers and the Hammett. So beyond the obvious, what are some, I, I know there's one and I'll let you, you said one of your favorite, uh, <laughs> Old time, old time, but great kind of pulpy detective characters and writers. Oh, I mean, I I love Ross McDonald. I love the uh, the uh, Lou Archer books. Yeah, I read, I reread those. I mean, we talked about this. I reread them while my wife was pregnant, leading up to the birth of my son. And I, it's like twenty books, so I don't know how I managed to find the time. But <laughs> he just has a way of getting into the psyche of the villain. And I think of the early kind of pulp noir authors, he was the best at showing that the bad guys weren't bad. You know, these are just people that are dealing with different things and different experiences. And there's a, there's a psyche there. It's not just like unnamed thug number three. Um, and his way with, you know, he started off so much like a kind of pseudo Chandler, you know, Marlowe and, and, um, you know, Archer seems a lot like Marlowe in the first few books, but then he kind of becomes his own thing. And that's, that's when it really is starts clicking on all cylinders um, in terms of other early ones, Jim Thompson cool. is great. Uh, trying to think who else. You know, we talked about Hammond and Chandler. I don't really, he's not really, you know, Lawrence Block is one of my favorites. And he's sure. just been around for so long and has such a huge body of work. Um, the Scudder books in particular. Very cool. And I know we, we mentioned in our previous conversation uh, John McDonald and Travis McGee. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I forgot. No, the, the two McDonalds are essential. And, and John D. is uh, a Florida guy, so... Right. Um, yeah, so his his books are huge, huge inspirations to anyone who uh, chooses to write Florida crime. And Charles Wolford is great. He wrote a really great uh, Miami series starring Hope Mosley in the late 70s, early 80s. That um, There is a little hat tip to the Hope Mosley books in the new Pete book. So um, I try to sprinkle one in each book, just kind of give a little nod to a book that was important to me. Um, in Down the Darkest Street, I, I'm not really spoiling anything, but at some point he walks by a laundromat named Miami Purity, which is a nod to the laundromat in the novel Miami Purity. And you'll see a Hope, there's a Hope Wolfley uh, nod in uh, Dangerous Ends. That's awesome. That's very funny. I, yeah, John, yeah. John, I know, and it, I, we, we talked about this, they keep trying to make a new Travis McGee movie, if they've ever, I think there might have been a television film at some point. But I don't, you know. Yeah, I think so. There were definitely a few Lou Archer movies. I think Paul Newman was in yes. a few of them, but he he was not Lou Archer. He was kind of like he was Harper. His his character's yeah, name Harper. was Harper, yeah. and yeah, and the reason why was there was this Hollywood myth that uh, Paul Newman movies that start with an H are are more likely to be hits. I mean, there was Hall <laughs> of Mirrors that was W U S A, and and uh, oh weird, yeah, and Harper, and then then so Harper and the Drowning Pool. I want to say were the two. Isn't that the second Yeah, one? and The Drowning Pool. The Drowning Pool is one of the early Archer books, but exactly. it's also a really good one. That's kind of when the tide started to turn, and he stopped being uh, a Marlowe clone and really became his own thing. So yeah, those are, I think. I could be wrong. Those are really good late 60s, early 70s Paul Newman films. Uh, and I, I have think, to check those out. I, I, are you, you're a movie buff, I'm guessing. I, I am. am. I am. And I was going to say, I, I think they're reasonably, reasonably representative of, of the Ross McDonald stuff. So Yeah, I have to check those out. I watched uh, Night Moves not long ago, that Gene Hackman yes. movie that 
you know, you would think it was just a, a classic novel. Um, that was a great one. That's a great little PI flick. Fantastic movie. I completely agree. And it's funny. It's sitting on my DVR because I haven't seen it in years. And I recorded it months ago. And yeah, like you said, I just noticed it was recently on, like in the last week or so, on Turner. So yeah, and it's got a Florida connection as well. Yep. No, it's that's another that's another fantastic early seventies thing. You ever see Laughing Policeman with uh, Walter Matthau? No, that's on the list. That's definitely on the list. That's <laughs> well, it's one of those uh, Swedish crime, and I, I can't remember the original uh, writer. But I'm also mm-hmm. fascinated by. Uh, European urban crime novels, and I think you know they have they have their own uh, idiosyncrasies because of you know the cities that they were created in or where the detective is roaming around. But I do find that, uh, especially again at that same period of of the sixties and seventies, to be equally yeah. I have to check that out. Um, I don't know if you read the the Henning Mankell books, like the Wallander books. Those were yes. big influences on me, and just just the way he has this really wasted kind of. You know, he's not a PI. He's a police detective. Um, but, you know, he's just not taking care of himself. He's kind of very sharp, but also very flawed. And that, to me, really resonated. And, uh, you know, he, he died not long ago. But the Wallander books are really up there for me, along with, with stuff like Pelicanos and Dead and I agree. And, I, and again, um, oh, God, now I'm blanking. Uh, uh, oh, Kenneth uh, Branagh. Kenneth Branagh did it, yeah. uh, some yeah, decent yeah. adaptations of, of the Wallander books. For, uh, you know, I watched, I watched the first episode and I, you know, for something, for whatever reason, it was, seemed to be run through almost like an Instagram filter, but I need to, I need to circle back to it because the, the content is so good. Yeah, no, I, and, and I do think the, the, uh, is, is, that is, is it Dutch or is it, uh, a German, uh, Wallander? It's Dutch, yeah. It is Dutch. Okay, yeah. I, I have seen the, the original German. I think so. No, I think it's Scandinavian. I'm sorry. Oh, you're right. I think it is Scandinavian. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. So there we go, ugly Americans once again. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I uh, no, I'm I'm a real sucker for uh, for uh, exceptional crime fiction, and uh, honestly, man, I think you're you're off to a hell of a start, man. Three books in, and I and again, I think uh, a series that people can pick up, and um, well, you know, I mean, they I guess technically they could start with Bad Blood and the novella if they wanted to to get really the, yeah, that, the first that story in the starting quotes. point and then you you go into silent city and then you're off to the races so it's almost like uh you know this is when things start to get really rolling you have a instead of the problem with just having just one book is that somebody reads it and then they're kind of at a loss and so you write the next one but once you have a few under your belt someone can really immerse themselves and you know three books isn't a lot but it's still it's a meal as opposed to just oh, yeah. an appetizer oh please absolutely man and uh no you know and then you, you got to learn to space them out because god i remember when certainly when parker in particular was cranking mm-hmm. a, a spencer every year you know i mean and then so yeah uh, you know i mean obviously i hit it well into the series so i had about at least a dozen if not more to go back and, and read um but what a great feeling isn't that a great feeling when you dive in and you're like i can i've got 10 to oh, read yeah. it's I love that. I'm just uh, really getting into Stephen King, where I have been for the last year and a half, and it's like the road has no ending. There's like 60 books to to go through. Very true. Now, um, do you, because I don't remember the previous release dates, do you have a specific (laughs) month where you try to drop Pete? Because that was was always the fun with Spencer. You always knew late or mid-spring that it was time for a new Spencer novel, and it was funny yearly to kind of anticipate that next book once I was caught up. Yeah, it's always been April, or it's been April cool. the last few times. So this year it'll be April 11th, and last year I think it was April 14th. So that seems to be the season, and it's good because then I can, you know, as the draft is finished, I dive into the next one, and then I go back to the old draft and start, you know, copy editing and fixing it up. So then when I get to the new draft, I'm fresh, and you kind of see it from different eyes. So now as the third book sets sale, I can go back to the draft of the fourth one and finish it and tweak it and rework it and hopefully have have it ready in time for next year or whenever it'll come out. That's excellent. So yes, uh, uh, April 11th right now, uh, at least uh, that's what Google is telling me, is the, the date yeah. that uh, mm-hmm. Dangerous Ends drops. Uh, so there is plenty of time to catch up and uh, start with, the like I said, Bad Blood, Silent City, and, uh, and uh, Down the Darkest, help me. <laughs> Down yeah, the, down the darkest street. Down and the darkest street. I was going to say pre-order dangerous ends. Yeah. That's excellent, man. No, congratulations. I really think this is great, and uh, I, I'm so glad that uh, your books are being well received, well deserved, man. And I, uh, I, I know your passion, and I'm glad that your hobby 
is becoming a, a viable profession. And uh, I'm sorry, man, you're gonna have to look for a new hobby because uh, it looks like uh, this stuff is <laughs> no. here to stay. And uh, yeah, there's uh, there's good opportunities for uh, for Alex Segura and Pete Fernandez in the future. So very nice, man. Thanks, man. It, it's good. Uh, it's good when the things you like to do become uh, things you have to do. So. Um, I don't have a lot to complain about. So thanks again for having me. This is always a treat to chat and catch up. There you go, Alex Segura. And uh, Pete Fernandez's latest novel is out April 11th. So uh, do yourself a favor and uh, pre-order it now at your bookstore or at Amazon.com. Silent City and Bad Beat are a lot of fun. And uh, I've been enjoying my uh, Pete Fernandez reads. And I think you will as well. That'll do it for today's Word Balloon. Thanks so much for listening. Brought to you by, again, the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very, very much, League, for your support. It really is appreciated. Patreon.com slash Word Balloon if you'd like to help the cause and subscribe to Word Balloon. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com, where, as I said before, I put crime in the search box and I got things like Cloak and Dagger, Crime and Punishment, premium uh, hardcover, Featuring the writing of Bill Matlow and Al Milgram, The Art of Al Milgram, also guys like Ed Hannigan, Ron Ferenz, Tony Sammons, Rick Leonardi, Kerry Gamble. This is good stuff, man, and classic Cloak and Dagger stuff. 42% off, $17.39. The Spectre, John Ostrander and Tom Mandrake's tremendous series from the 80s, uh, featuring as much uh, Detective Jim Corrigan as it did... Uh, the uh, the Spectre himself. But this was really a great classic Spectre run of the 80s and 90s. You can get the first volume, 45% off, $10.99. They also have a series of the Shadow Double novels, The Shadow of the Great Pulp Hero. Well, they've uh, brought the pulp novels uh, back. Anthony Tolan, the wonderful colorist for DC for so many years, uh, is behind uh, republishing the Shadow books and also has amazing articles inside these collections as well. But this is the classic uh, Street and Smith pulp uh, book that started as a pulp, became a huge radio show. Uh, the pulp, uh, or I guess the radio show slightly outlasted the pulp. And certainly Dynamite's been doing a great job bringing back The Shadow and has had excellent writers and artists on that series. But enjoy these Shadow Double novels, usually 25% off and $11.21. You can also get the Crime Doesn't Pay City of Roses, Written by Phil Stanford, artist Patrick Reynolds, and it's 42% off, just $11.49. Great deals are happening at InStockTrades.com. Check it out for yourself. When your orders are $50 or more, you'll receive free shipping from your friends at InStockTrades.com. Thanks for listening. John Suchus uh, talking to you in just a couple days with another brand new episode for April to usher in the next month. And uh, lots of great stuff coming in the days and weeks ahead for Word Balloon. C2E2 is just a couple weeks away. I will be there. I have no panels, but I will be uh, – I always say at the conventions, I usually feel like I'm running for mayor because I shake a lot of hands. I hand out a lot of cards. Uh, I, I set up future uh, conversations. This one's in my backyard, so it's going to be pretty easy to do. And uh, if I run into you and you listen to the show, please give me the chance to uh, thank you for listening to the show and supporting it even just by listening. You know, Tripod, uh, we're at the end of uh, March, and that was a big campaign this month for all of the podcasts and stuff. And I'm seeing new listeners in the downloads, so it must be working. Thanks for spreading the word about Word Balloon, and also do it for your other favorite podcasts as well. Just because the month is ending, the sentiment shouldn't stop. And uh, I hope you're sharing that information with your friends and letting them know about the podcasts you really like. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2017.